right, welcome back to uh, episode two of Inside Illini Football. Colin, uh, apparently we survived last week's debut episode, so they want us back for more. Excellent. Yeah, I, uh, we had to delay it a day. I had a personal commitment to attend to uh, earlier this week, but now we're back, and uh, the, a lot has happened since the last episode of uh, Inside Illini Football, both with Illinois and with football, college football at large. That's the voice of uh, beat writer Colin Likas. I'm sports editor Matt Daniels here at the News Gazette on a sunny late Tuesday morning, January 12th. We're recording this, and uh, Colin, in the last five minutes or so, there's been no new coaches hired at Illinois. Correct? Not that I'm aware of, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we're actually supposed to talk to uh, Terrence Jamison, who is going to be coaching the defensive line here in less than an hour on a Zoom call. Uh, but yeah, three new coaches have been hired in the last two days, and uh, as far as we can tell, Brett Bielema has about three spots left on his coaching staff to still fill, and um, I'm sure those will probably be filled by the end of this week. I'd be surprised if they weren't, honestly. Well, since we talked last, uh, Illinois made a big hire on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. Uh, Ryan Walters, yep. former defensive coordinator at Missouri, was uh, officially hired last Thursday. Colin, you had the chance, along with other local media, to talk to him on a Zoom mm-hmm. call, which is what we all do these right. days. Um, last Friday, what were your first impressions of the the new Illini defensive coordinator and Ryan Walters? Yeah, some of the other guys who uh, Brett Bielema has hired already, um, in their first impressions, they come off very, very intense, very passionate. And I'm not saying that Ryan Walters did not come off as passionate, but he was definitely a little more even keel. It's something that was actually pointed out to him by, it might have actually been uh, Scott Beatty, WDWS mm-hmm. here, who pointed out that he seemed very even keel. He does seem very calm and relaxed, and he even admitted Ryan Walters did. I'm not a yelling and shouting guy on the field, on the field really, unless you've done something wrong. <laughs> I, I, I tend to stay pretty calm. But yeah, he, he came off as somebody who's very knowledgeable. Uh, he's only 34 years old, but he's been in this profession for 12 years, I believe, 11 or 12 mm-hmm. years, which is pretty impressive. Had a few stops. Missouri was the longest one of those, been there for uh, the last six seasons. So yeah, I mean, just like all of Brett Bielema's hires to this point, first impression was solid. Uh, and none of the hires who have come through so far and who have talked to us via Zoom have come off poorly in any way. But I think Ryan Walters came off a little bit differently in that he was a little more, uh, a little more just Kind of even keel. That's that's the best way to put it. He just wasn't quite as fiery as a Bart Miller who was kind of expounding the virtues of smashing guys up and hitting guys. (laughs) It was more so just, you know, a a pretty calm uh, news conference, but also he came off as somebody who cares about what he's doing and seemed very excited about uh, coming to Illinois. Does it it add to the... Illinois-Missouri rivalry with uh, a <laughs> coach switching sides. I know they haven't met on the football field in, in quite some time. They are planning on renewing their, their rivalry right. series, I think, starting later this decade, uh, if memory serves me correct. But does that does that any add any intrigue to the, the border? I would uh, say maybe more so rivalry? for the coaches than anything. I okay. don't think that really adds to – I mean, unless recruiting battles, unless Ryan Walters starts dragging a few guys that were thinking about Missouri and now they're going to come to Illinois, that – might spice it up a little bit in the the Jeremiah Tillman type of uh, (laughs) ideal there. But, yeah, I think maybe from a coaching perspective it does. I mean, Tony Peterson was at Missouri as Mm -hmm. well. That was the the connecting thread there between Bielema and and, uh, Ryan Walters was Tony Peterson, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, even though Peterson was only there one year as an offensive uh, analyst, I Mm -hmm. believe. Um, uh, Peterson made the connection with Ryan Walters, said, hey, uh, Brett wants to talk to you, and that's how this all came about. But from a rivalry perspective, I mean, I think just both teams winning games probably boosts the rivalry more than anything. Yeah, and Walters has been around quite the the coaching tree in in his uh, career so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was at Oklahoma under Bob Stoops, and uh, worked for three different coaches at Missouri and Mm -hmm. Gary Pinkle. 
Barry Odom and then Eli Drinkowitz uh, this past season, but now he's uh, come to Champaign-Urbana and, and will work under under Brett Bielema, and I'm assuming he's going to make quite the hefty salary since he was making $900,000 at Missouri last right. season. Illinois has not released any contract details yet for, for any of the seven new assistant coaches, but Josh Whitman did say that Monday after Brett Bielema was hired during his inter- introductory press conference that the the assistant coaching pool salary combined will be $5 million. Mm-hmm. So they've got some money to disperse among the 10 assistants. Yeah, it's a good chunk, and it shows that uh, Illinois football, the athletics department, is committed to making this program stronger from within. I, I think we'll know the coaching salaries for everybody not named Brett Bielema once everybody <laughs> is hired. Uh, I would assume that's when that's going to start coming out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a step in the right direction. One thing, and we'll talk about this more as this podcast goes on, but pretty much all the guys that uh, that Brett Bielema has hired so far have Big Ten coaching experience. Ryan Walters actually is the only one who didn't, mm-hmm. but he's got plenty of Power Five experience. I mean, he was at Missouri, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure all of his stops, save for North Texas, are Power Five schools. One so, season at Memphis, but they're Memphis. They're, they're I'm consistent. sorry, they're, they're, I'm mixing cons- up some uh, some resumes here now. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. You've been busy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's. A, we'll talk about this more, but I think that's just a very positive development. You need guys who know how to win and know how to coach at the Big Ten level in order for your team to succeed at the Big Ten level. And Brett Bielema seems to be buying into that. Well, early on, his coaching hires were all geared around kind of the offensive side of the ball. Walters was the first one on the mm-hmm. defensive side, and then uh, since then, he's added two more on the defensive side on. Yep. Sunday hired Terrace Jamison to, to coach the defensive line and then on Monday afternoon hired Andy Boo uh, to coach the linebackers and then also on Sunday he hired Ben Miller mm-hmm. not Bart Miller Ben Miller <laughs> no no relation apparently uh, to coach the tight ends and he's also Ben Miller's also had some experience uh, with special teams in right. his previous stops at Air Force and Andy Boo has as well and it looks like those two might combine to kind of help out with the special teams instead of Illinois hiring uh, right. special teams coordinators specifically to work with the specialists. Yep, and I think that's that's fine. I mean, if that's the way that it works out easiest to, to delegate your staff duties, then so be it. You don't necessarily have to have a gigantic staff in order to succeed. So if those two guys, I mean, Andy Boo is a guy who's been coaching since, what, 1996, mm-hmm. 97 or so? Former defensive coordinator at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Maryland as well. Uh, he's got tons of experience. He does. We're, we're going to hear from him at some point this week. They haven't set up a Zoom call for him yet. We're going to hear from Ben Miller tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, uh, going back to Terrence Jameson at the start, poaching somebody from who was at Purdue just this mm-hmm. last season, I think that's a – I mean, it's not like Purdue had an amazing season by any means last year, but neither did Illinois. So it's a, I, I think that's an interesting hire to get somebody who was actively in the Big Ten to jump over to Illinois. Somebody who has Wisconsin ties as well, Terrence Jameson, played under Brett Bielema for a few years before knee injuries ultimately derailed Jameson's playing career. So then he got his start as uh, as an assistant under Brett Bielema, very quickly worked up to being his defensive line coach over there at Wisconsin, and uh, he's jumped around ever since. And and one of those stops as well was Air Force, which seems to be a, a common thread going on here lately as far as these coaching hires go. Kind of a, an unusual coincidence, I think. Ben Miller also being an Air Force guy. But, uh, yeah, Terrence Jameson, looking forward to talking to him today, learning a little bit more about uh, about his background. Yeah, and, and Ben Miller kind of comes full circle, too. Uh, was a mm-hmm. grad assistant under Ron Zook in 2006. Right. That was a forgetful season for the Illini. They finished 2-10 and in and, mm-hmm. and Zook's uh, third season in Champaign, but 2007, or Zook's second season in Champaign, excuse me, 2007, though, was kind of the rebuild year and, and the, the year they went to the Rose Bowl as well. So he's 
coming back to his roots, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting. He's uh, Almost all of his coaching experience is at Air Force, which mm-hmm. is his alma mater. He started there as a grad assistant even before he got to Illinois, but then he came here, was a grad assistant for a year, as you said. And Illinois football, obviously, the Big Ten as well, has changed a lot since 2006. Uh, but uh, More teams. It, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's one thing I think of. But uh, also just more money being mm-hmm. put into this football program. Several coaches have come through, obviously. Multiple athletic directors we're talking about as well. Yeah, it's good to have uh, more guys in the fold who are familiar with Illinois football. That's something I've been asking guys during Zoom calls, these introductory Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. Is what did you know about Illinois football coming in here? Because most of these guys don't have direct experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe some uh, some side experience just a result, as a result of playing against Illinois on a coaching staff. But, uh, yeah, most of these coaches have not, you know, worked directly with Illinois in any capacity before. So uh, having Ben Miller around, who does have at least one year of experience, mm-hmm. knowing what Champaign-Urbana is kind of all about, I think is a, is a nice benefit. Well, recruiting never stops. I feel like I'm going to say that every week on this, this podcast calendar. That, that will be something that once the coaching hires stop, the recruiting won't, at least. Love <laughs> that to talk about. Uh, but since uh, our, our first episode, uh, Illinois has landed its first high school commit in mm-hmm. the Brett Bielema era, uh, Joshua McCray, a uh, 6'2", 215-pound running back out of Enterprise, Alabama, uh, kind of near Montgomery, Alabama, almost near the Panhandle, I think, if mm-hmm. my memory serves me correct. And right. then uh, they've added two FBS transfers, uh, C.J. Hart, a linebacker, which should be delightful news to hear for Illinois fans considering <laughs> all the departures they've had at yeah. that position group uh, from North Carolina State announced he was transferring and then Chase Hayden uh, a running back who kind of like Ben Miller is coming full circle mm-hmm. under Brett Bielema started his career at Arkansas uh, then transferred to East Carolina and now Illinois is going to be his third college but uh, add some depth to the running back group and if any Recent history proves out if you had a transfer running back by the name of Chase <laughs> to Illinois, he <laughs> might be pretty good, like Chase yeah. Brown was this past season. For yeah, that while. worked out pretty well. I mean, especially if Mike Epstein comes back as well. We still He's one of those few guys, those few key seniors we haven't heard from yet, a decision about the, the eligibility for 2021. Yeah, if Mike Epstein comes back as well, and you had Chase Hayden and Chase Brown into that room, Reggie Love as well mm-hmm. had a limited role last year but showed some flashes. That's going to be one of Illinois' strong points in addition to the fact that you're returning essentially your entire offensive line minus of course Kendra Green mm-hmm. who's no small loss but still yeah. returning the rest of the offensive line is a pretty good sign for your running backs typically and if you just have a veteran running back group uh, they're not going to lose any quarterbacks unless somebody decides to enter the transfer portal I mean Illinois offense is going to be extremely veteran coming into this year and uh, and uh, Hayden is another part of that he started off really well at Arkansas mm-hmm. his first two years at Arkansas were strong his third year um, just things didn't work out. He wound up redshirting ultimately after four games. Then he went to East Carolina and barely played there as well last year. So uh, change of scenery again and maybe being under Brett Bielema, even though Bielema wasn't the lead recruiter uh, at Arkansas for Hayden, maybe a change of scenery is just what he needs. But uh, yeah, Joshua McRae is somebody I didn't get to talk to him directly, but I talked to this high school coach, Rick Darlington, mm-hmm. uh, down in southern Alabama. And Rick Darlington compared him to a Debo Samuel type, who's with the uh, San Francisco Giants now. Somebody who he's not gonna he's not gonna overpower opposing mm-hmm. defenders, but he's going to catch every ball and he's going to be hard to hard to bring down because of his speed and his athleticism. Yeah, it seems like a versatile back mm-hmm. that, uh, given the the depth that that position group has, I don't think he'll be thrust into just duty right away yeah. in the twenty twenty one season. But uh, just another another weapon to add to that uh, that position group. 
Yeah, and I know he's listed as a running back as well, but he's I think he's somebody who could use at wide receiver Out as well. And he's just bit. yeah, he's just very uh, versatile according to his coach. Yeah, he was what first team all states mm-hmm. in, in Alabama, kind of as an all purpose player. Yeah, it's so. class seven A, which I mean that's pretty. I don't I, I don't know off the top of my head how many classes there are in Alabama, <laughs> on, Colin, but that seems pretty why high. Don't, why so. don't you know everything there is to know about? Football I know Illinois has eight classes, so good good for me, right? Yeah, let's just <laughs> hope they they start playing some high school oh, football. Oh, we can only hope. We'll see. Well, that we digress. Well, we can dive onto that topic later on in, in this this podcast. Uh, there was a college football game played on Monday night. There though. was. Uh, one team really showed up in, in Alabama. Ohio State kind of hung around in the first half, but the, the Crimson Tide uh, rolled to their sixth national title in Nick Saban's 12 seasons with a, a dominant <laughs> 52-24 win uh, down at uh, Miami Gardens, Florida on, yep. on Monday night. Devontae Smith showed why he won the Heisman this year. Yeah. 215 yards receiving all in the first half before he left with an injury. Uh, Mac Jones put up video game numbers, Najee Harris. Um, Ohio State just looked overmatched. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's any any uh, matter of Ohio State not showing up because, I mean, I watched that whole game in Ohio State. I mean, they, they were there. I mean, it's not like they just phoned it in mm-hmm. uh, by any means. They were, they were hitting extremely hard. They knocked a few of the Alabama players out of the game mm-hmm. or at least left them battered and bruised. It was just the fact that Alabama is just that much better. I mean, that's that's what just an insane culture and recruiting culture will do for you with Nick Saban. You know exactly what you're getting there. And I I think if uh, Devonta Smith, I think if that game was closer, it looked like he suffered at least a dislocated finger yeah. just repeatedly watching the replays, and they had him in the tent for a long time afterward. I think if that game was closer, they might have severed his finger in order to get him back on the field. <laughs> I mean, he was just, he, he couldn't be stopped. He, he missed, there was one pass he didn't catch in the first half, and I'm pretty sure it was just swatted away by an opposing defender. I mm-hmm. mean, just a ridiculous uh, game. Mac Jones as well. I mean, obviously, you know, you gotta you gotta have somebody to throw the ball to the receiver in order for the receiver to be ridiculous. And Mac Jones did a great job. The broadcast team was hyping him up all night. Yeah, it's just a tough go for Ohio State. I mean, the the level of football they were showing there clearly class of the Big Ten football. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it just shows you how far and away Alabama is. It, it, as it compares to other programs, and sometimes you have moments where, like, an LSU comes out of comes out of somewhere with Joe Burrow, a super talented quarterback, and they can kind of dethrone an Alabama type. But you just have to have a team that's just clicking on all cylinders. Otherwise, right now, Alabama is just impossible to stop, and I can't imagine that changing as long as Nick Saban's around. Yeah, that's true. And, and quarterback play, obviously, with both Alabama and Ohio State, uh, Mac Jones leading the Crimson Tide, and Justin Fields likely playing his final game I would uh, so. at Ohio State before he likely declares for the. Uh, the upcoming NFL draft would have had the chance to see him in Champaign in late November, <laughs> but obviously that game was uh, was canceled uh, yeah. because of the pandemic. So won't see the Buckeyes in Champaign for for quite some time, but they're still clearly the class of uh, of the Big Ten. Moving on, we're going to do this kind of every week, uh, especially in the off season. Uh, we're going to just really dissect a, a position group uh, for the Illini, and what better place to start than the. The long snapper, Colin. Oh, wait, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to Ethan Table later on. No offense. And, and I would what? say uh, if we're going to grade, uh, I'd say A-plus for playing <laughs> through a torn ACL for two That's games. That's true. Very true. <laughs> uh, we're going to start off with quarterbacks. Kind of an obvious choice, but yep. uh, in, in, it's going to be, I think, the most intriguing position battle uh, out of if there is a spring ball. Again, we don't right. know that if that'll happen. Yeah, but Brett Bielema Brett, wants there to be. Exactly. Said that. I think anyone wants there to be <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but going into training camp and, and ahead of the 2021 season, uh, who emerges to be the, the starting quarterback at, at Illinois is, is going to be a key key focal point. Mm-hmm. And you've got 
four guys that have all started a game uh, all did that this past <laughs> season, all because of crazy circumstances. But Brandon Peters is back for a sixth season of college football. Uh, he'll spend, what, three seasons at Illinois, which is yep. the same amount of time he spent at Michigan before right. he transferred to Illinois. And then um, just your overall thoughts on, on Brandon Peters, Colin, and, and just what he might bring to the 2021 Illinois football team. Well, he certainly brings experience, as he explained uh, during his uh, Zoom call recently after he announced he was coming back to Illinois for another season. He'll be a very well-educated young man <laughs> by the time he's done at Illinois because he just has to keep getting classes and degrees mm-hmm. and things like that in order to stick around the football team. A veteran leadership. I, I think he showed the he showed that he's more than just a one tool quarterback. This most recent season, he showed he has some running ability. Mm-hmm. He used his legs more often. His uh, his throwing was was inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know part of that has to do with um, part of that has to do with just game planning. And this is not to knock Rod Smith necessarily, but the way that the Brandon Peters and Isaiah Williams were used, mm-hmm. just kind of seemingly interchangeably at times. And sometimes one guy was the go-to guy and then they weren't. It's easy to throw a quarterback off their game when you're doing stuff like that, I think. But in my mind, Brandon Peters wouldn't be coming back if, if he didn't think he had a fair shot. Mm-hmm. Obviously he has to win the starting job, but a fair shot at playing. Uh, otherwise he would go take another year somewhere else mm-hmm. i would have to imagine somewhere is more guaranteed to play uh, I, I we i have to imagine we see brandon peters in some role he's not going to come back just to sit on the sidelines so that, yeah and, and it's going to be interesting too to see what tony peterson's offense is like he's got such a diverse background mm-hmm. in, in terms of play calling and uh and schemes he used at appalachian state last year and, and really led a, a power you know or ground oriented attack with the mountaineers but he's also mm-hmm been at places where throwing the ball is kind of the, the right. pedigree at East Carolina and Louisiana Tech and things like and other places like that so we'll, we'll have to wait and see what the game plan is like for for the Illini but then Isaiah Williams uh, I think the number one area he needs to improve on is pretty obvious this season but it's, it's his completion percentage and, yep. and accuracy with throwing the ball but get him the ball in space and let him run and he can he can make some plays and, and gain some first downs pretty quickly yeah completion percentage hanging onto the ball as well early in the season fumbles were an issue for him he cleaned that up as the mm-hmm. season went on but the completion percentage was still an issue as time went on but obviously has athleticism i mean brandon peters showed he could move a little bit uh, isaiah williams is in a different class as far as that's concerned just a lot more mobile a lot more shifty a lot more athletic than brandon peters is they just bring two different elements to the game and you can understand why rod smith wanted to try and utilize them together mm-hmm. but at some point i think think and maybe tony peterson will disagree with this but i think you kind of have to settle on a number one guy instead of having just a 1a and 1b i think that just really throws guys off especially young players even Mm -hmm. though brandon peters is probably closer to my age than some of his teammates actually years old he'll be 24 in in october (laughs) mid-october this year yeah but i mean i I think at some point you just have to decide on a number one guy or at least uh, delegate roles a little differently than the way illinois did last year I think Isaiah Williams is going to see significant playing time this coming season. I would be surprised if he didn't, frankly, um, unless he just totally shows nothing to Mm -hmm. the coaching staff uh, during spring ball or Mm -hmm. summer ball, what have you. But I think he left a pretty good impression during the Penn State game, even though that game obviously was lopsided on the scoreboard. I think he showed a lot of good things. He saw most of the playing time during that game, and Brett Mm -hmm. Gilma was there. He got to see him firsthand. So I think he left a pretty good first impression. Then you got uh, Karan Taylor, who uh, stepped into mm-hmm. kind of emergency duty on, on Halloween in 2020 right. after uh, Matt Robinson started that game mm-hmm. uh, because Brandon Peters was out because he tested positive for COVID-19, and then Isaiah Williams missed that game because of contact tracing. Right. 
Taylor showed some flashes at times last year, uh, competitive spirit, but uh, mm-hmm. I think as we sit here right now, I, I think it's clear to say that Peters and Williams are kind of 1A, 1B, or one or reverse those two and mm-hmm. then, and then sure. taylor and, and matt robinson are kind of further down the depth chart at yeah. least at least right now yep i would agree i think uh, i think that's pretty straightforward uh barring more covid or injury related issues i think peters and, and williams are your guys fighting for that number one spot and then robinson and Karan taylor and deuce span and then samari collier coming in as a class of 2021 signee all all young guys all guys who can who can learn and grow and uh I think that's going to be pretty important for Illinois to just have this very deep quarterback room of young guys who then in 2022, Brandon Peters will be gone. You can mm-hmm. have another quarterback battle. See who can be that number one. Well, guy. And it's going to be interesting too, um, because if you think back to Lovey Smith's first press conference at Illinois, he mentioned the fact that a dual threat quarterback, and that was something that Illinois had not really had right. since Nathan Shielhaus had, had graduated and, and left the program in 2013. All these quarterbacks, even Peters to an extent, or you could classify as they have potential to, to affect the game with their running ability. Mm-hmm. Int- it'll be interesting to see what type of quarterback Brett Bielema wants to, to right. chase in, in future classes. As you saw in Monday night's title game, you've got a dual-threat quarterback like Justin Fields, but then you've also got a classic drop-back passer like Mac Jones who's not going not gonna to burn by any defenders or anything <laughs> like that. So right. the approach Brett Bielema takes and in filling out his future quarterbacks, and if you think back to his time at Wisconsin too, those quarterbacks weren't really known for mm-hmm. for having the ability to run much at all. It was more of a kind of a game manager role. So we'll see what uh, what direction he wants to to take moving forward in, in terms of recruiting quarterbacks at all. Yeah, it's no secret. Illinois, Brett Bielema wants to run the ball in Illinois under Rod Smith. Wanted to run the ball plenty. Uh, that that part I don't think will change under Brett Bielema, but you can't just run a hundred percent of your plays. So, well, yeah. I think the, the the way the scheme is go about too. Rod Smith was a spread option, mm-hmm. spread offense yeah. based kind of predicated on the run, as we saw in twenty eighteen. And Brett Bielema is more of kind of a traditional power eye. At mm-hmm. least he has been in his previous stops, where you have a fullback and you two running backs, two tight end sets, and and go from there. Yeah, and uh, just to wrap up this, put the a bow on this conversation since you mentioned Nathan Shielhaus. I am totally speculating here. Wouldn't it be fun if the very last hire, wide receivers coach, is still open? <laughs> Just announced Nathan Shieldhouse is your last hire. That, I yeah. think Illinois fans would be whipped into a frenzy if that they got him away uh, from Ohio, or, uh, Iowa State. That would certainly excite Illinois <laughs> fans on Twitter for a second, and then <laughs> something else would anger them in the next Well, breath. hopefully hopefully not an Illinois basketball loss. Hopefully yeah. some wins or actual games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, with Wednesday night's game at Nebraska postponed on, on Monday night because of COVID outbreak yeah. out in uh, Nebraska. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. Another segment we're going to kind of try every week is, is kind of looking at some uh, some future opponents for the Illini. Mm-hmm. I figured we'd just roll out with uh, the three non-conference opponents that they're scheduled to play in 2021. Obviously, in 2020, did not have any non-conference games because of the pandemic. Let's hope that changes mm-hmm. this year. Um, but, yeah, they, they have three this season. Kind of a little bit spread throughout the schedule, at least the way the schedule is made up right now. Illinois set to open the 2021 season on August 28th against Nebraska and Dublin. Right. But I kind of don't think that game is going to happen in I, the I don't capital think, city I don't of think Ireland. some of the players do, honestly, but I think everybody just hopes it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, first non-conference game on the schedule, Texas-San Antonio, mm-hmm. September 4th here in Champaign at Memorial Stadium. Uh, the Roadrunners. Awesome, awesome name. Not been around that long. Uh, Larry Coker, the former Miami coach, was their first coach when the program got started earlier this century. Uh, but they went 7-5 and five last season out of Conference USA. 
Uh, played in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Lost the close one to Louisiana, 31-24 in the first responder bowl on December 26th. Uh, kind of a run-oriented team. Uh, their top running back uh, returned Sincere McCormick. Uh, rushed for almost 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns last season. Kind of a coincidental note, two kind of not ironic notes, but just kind of nuggets here. Uh, their offensive coordinator is Barry Looney Jr., who coached with Brett Bielema at Arkansas. He was a tight ends coach and special teams coordinator uh, under Bielema when they were both with the Razorbacks. And then Nick Trailer is their head coach. He's in his second, entering his second season. So 2020 was his first season as head coach. Longtime high school coach in the state of Texas. Actually got his first head coaching job at Big Sandy High School in Texas. Hey, which there is you go. Lovey Smith's hometown. That's right. So... See how we localize everything. This, uh, this is really weird how this is all coming together with coaches lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you've you've mentioned everything that I would know about <laughs> Texas San Antonio football. That was some crack research I did before we yeah. got on the podcast. But the the thing about this is, if the Nebraska game against, or if the Nebraska game does occur in Ireland, then you have a relative. Uh, that's August twenty eighth. You have a mm-hmm. relatively quick turnaround especially to come back to Champagne, especially on, with the flights. Yeah, the that's travel. what I mean. Yeah. On September fourth. Texas San Antonio. I mean, that's a game you got to win, regardless. Yeah. No offense mm-hmm. to Texas San Antonio, but I mean, depending on what their roster looks like, it's a tiny bit of a trap game just because of the Dublin turnaround mm-hmm. and, and you know all the excitement that goes into a home opener, hoping that there's at least a few more fans than just family members this yeah. year. Uh, it's something that you know maybe Illinois comes out a little slow in the first half and then runs away with it, but if Illinois comes out in that game and just blows the doors off Texas San Antonio, I think that's a really good sign moving forward. Next non-conference opponent scheduled right now is uh, at Virginia mm-hmm. on That's uh, an interesting se- one. September 11th. Uh, the Cavaliers went 5-5 five and five this past season, obviously out of the ACC. Did not go to a bowl game. I can't remember if they opted out of participating in one or, or just what the, the circumstances re- revolved around that. Really good coach down in Charlottesville, Brocko Mendenhall. Uh, was at BYU for quite some time, then kind of left kind of a surprise move to mm-hmm. Virginia but uh, really elevated that program uh, the last couple seasons after a down first year he's 30 and 32 in five seasons with the Cavaliers uh their quarterback returns Brennan Armstrong uh threw for 2100 yards last year 18 touchdowns did throw 11 interceptions though but that's a game that if Illinois wants to possibly make a bowl game next season that's mm-hmm. a game that they have to win right, and yep. it'll be it'll be a challenge be on the road Virginia's a quality program Illinois will probably still be kind of finding their footing mm-hmm. under Brett Bielema, but that's a win that could be, that's a game that if Illinois were to win, could potentially springboard them into more success. Yeah, I would agree. That's a it's a very important game. The early portion of Illinois' schedule is, I would say, favorable. Nebraska is a bit a bit of a mess right now. Um, you you got to win the Texas San Antonio game. Maryland is uh, Maryland showed flashes, but. I mean, they, they missed so much action because of COVID this year. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to know what to expect from yeah. them. Purdue is kind of, uh, it's hard to tell with them as well. They've gone from the highest of highs under Jeff Brom to really just struggling at the end of last season. And then one more non-conference game that we'll talk about here shortly. And then the schedule just gets tough. <laughs> Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern all in the back half. Sorry, Rutgers, I didn't mention you. But, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, that, that Virginia game, it, if Illinois wants to make a bowl game under Brett Bielema, that is a must win. Yeah, and, and the final non-conference game, which will be a little different than in years past because mm-hmm. it comes uh, after two Big Ten games are scheduled, like you said. 
Uh, September 18th, supposed to be home against Maryland for the Illini, and then September 25th at Purdue. But then the following Saturday, the first one in October, October 2nd, mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're set to host Charlotte. Yep. Uh, again, kind of another new uh, program. Uh, just started about a decade or so ago and only been in FBS for quite some time. Uh, Will Healy's their coach, just finished up his second season down there. They had a really rough 2020, uh, finished with a 2-4 and four record, uh, but they had six games postponed or canceled because of, of COVID issues, whether it was with them or their opponents or anything like that. So couldn't really not real, couldn't get a real read on, on the 49ers this season. Uh, their quarterback, Chase, uh, Chris Reynolds, excuse me, uh, he does return through for 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, only two interceptions last season, and a very helter-skelter season for Charlotte. But again, that's a game. Mm-hmm. Illinois should win and, and get some confidence going into what you said is kind of a bear the rest of the way with the Big Ten opponents. Yeah, and also I don't think you have danger as much with potential trap here, not to take anything away from Charlotte, but more so just because there's 14 days between the Charlotte game and the Penn State game. True. So there's no looking ahead going on there. At least there shouldn't be. Illinois shouldn't be looking ahead to the Nittany Lions two weeks onward while playing the Charlotte game. All right, Colin, you want to do this again next week? I think we can do that. We'll do it on Monday, too. Bring it out for the masses on Monday moving forward as, as, uh, as time permits, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Colin. We'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Illini Football.